I, I, I maybe I did play at least a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative and your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> Welcome back to 88.3. After further review here, as we're back at it another week in November, and the weather's getting cold outside there. I was just wearing shorts a week ago, and now back to the long pants, and hope mate, and possibly next week. We're talking about some snow being in the area. Actually, some places did actually get some snow, but we're here hot in the studio. Well, actually taping right now but we got some good hot topics here we got david the man that got harris on the phone lines with his winners and losers if you don't get to see and listen to the show on saturdays make sure you check out our podcasts on itunes and on uh soundcloud which is wxt's after further review and now we're about to get into david the man that got harris's winners or losers how's your uh week been david it's been good actually was wearing shorts as we got a little bit of snow up here in central new york so why were you wearing... No, one day in shorts, shorts and t-shirts, that's... <laughs> Why were you wearing shorts in snow? I mean, if it's not cold enough for me, then it's not cold. Everyone else is sweaters and long sleeves. Right, right. I, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, eh, I kind of thinking maybe if it gets a little bit more snow, I may put on long sleeves, may put on some pants, but... No, I totally understand. Get... No, I totally understand. Um, I, I basically, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't, I wore shorts all the way till Wednesday night going into Thursday morning to work. And then, um, basically on, uh, uh, <laughs> Thursday night I said, uh, just a little too cold for me. So I, I decided, yeah, nah, not for me. Um, uh, but for other people, yeah, you know, they, if they want to do that, then that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it may also be the football player mentality of this. You know, if you you can play football in short sleeves, you know, no pants, like kind of pants on, but not a whole lot of layers, so it's just kind of natural. So, mm-hmm. body's used to the cold, and from Ohio to New York to PA, it's all the same. Right? Yeah, it is. I, you know, what I was, I was telling people was that I was actually extremely proud of myself that I didn't turn on the heat in the whole month of October. I, I was actually proud of myself. Yeah, I mean, maybe like mid-November into December, you can turn on the heat, but yeah. If if you don't need it on, save that money. Exactly. Well, anyway, let's get into our winners and losers here uh, for, for David, the man of God, Harris, and about to get ready to get started. Here we go. Right. Just kicking up winners and losers this week. We're going to start with the winners because we have a couple of losers that we cannot not talk about. So starting off with the college game, kind of keep a local Barcelona Rockets bowl eligible, even though the last two weeks yeah, didn't really look the prettiest. They didn't even look pretty on Tuesday night at the Glass Bowl against Kent State. Yeah, and so... Like, I kind of want to say, I kind of wanted to put him in the loser section just because 
It seems as though defensively we're kind of in late game situations. It's kind of like, eh, shaky, but at least the defense stepped up. They would have stopped that two point conversion that would have tied it up. That's but. actually two games in a row with Eastern Michigan and against Kent State, and really blew a lead against Eastern Michigan too. Uh, yeah, I, the winners, yes, bowl eligible, but. I don't know. I'm gonna there's be, a lot I'm, of having, concern. Yeah, there is a well. There's a lot of concern, especially after they lost to Bowling Green, and after that loss, and then getting smacked up by Ball State. And I believe in the MAC, they're tied with Ball State. Yeah, and it's going into kind of the final stretch. Of course, the mentality has went out to be able to get to Troy. Hope the hope that Ball State drops the game in the MAC. You never know, but it's definitely looking. Like, the more and more that we can solidify the running game and make sure that our offense is good, mm-hmm. it seems like defensively the past month has been really rough. And so even against a team like Kent State coming in, you're like, okay, this is Kent Bleep and State. This is not basketball. They're really not that hot football-wise. And they came out and really gave us a tough competition, which you expect that in the max. But at the same time, Kent State football really hasn't been up there in terms of giving Toledo a scare, giving some of the top-tier teams in the conference a scare. And so definitely a lot of cause for concern. But we won. So I guess at the end of the day, the win's a win. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess you can you can be satisfied with that. You know, great. But right now I'm looking at the standings. Actually, no, Toledo it right now is 3-2. and two. They are actually in fourth place in the MAC West behind Ball State. They're tied with Ball State. Western Michigan is at 4-2, and two, and Central Michigan is at 4-2, and two, which is making me wonder, how how is that possible? I mean, they got 6-3 and three there. They they are bowl eligible. Um, but I believe then they beat, they've beaten Western Michigan, so they're t- they should be technically uh, third because – Yes, they should be third because Ball State is ahead of them. And then they beat Western Michigan, so they should be ahead of Western Michigan. And then they don't play Central Michigan, I believe, until the end of the season at the last game. So that could be interesting right there. In first place, surprise, surprise, is Miami at 4-1. and one. Yeah, this, this year has been, I don't want to say topsy-turvy, to say at least in the Mac East, but it was... Now, a month ago, we were just like, yeah, whoever comes out of the Mac East doesn't really matter because at that time, Toledo was on a roll. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, Toledo's just going to beat whoever comes out of the East. But now it's like, yes, we're bowl eligible, but is there a realistic shot that we may not make it to Detroit? Of course, we have to win out. And winning out means beating Central. Well, Northern Illinois as well. I mean, the, the the remaining schedule we have here is Northern Illinois, which is here at the Glass Bowl, then at Buffalo, and then at um, Central Michigan. So they're going to have one more game at the Glass Bowl for home, which will be the 13th, which is coming up, and then Buffalo the 20th at Buffalo, which is some, it's tough, and then at Central Michigan to end the season. And, uh, um It'll be an 8 o'clock game against Northern Illinois here at the Glass Bowl this n- next Tuesday. Yeah, and we know from experience how Northern Illinois is just like ever eternal thorn in our side. Right, and I'm sure they, you know, Northern Illinois hasn't had the best season this year, you know, not to the standards that we're used to seeing Northern Illinois have. Um, I'm pretty sure that they would love, even though they're 2-3, and three, Toledo is a game ahead of them, and 3-6 and six on the season. 
I'm pretty sure Northern Illinois would love to be, once again derail Toledo from uh, getting to the uh, the back championship game. Yeah, and I'm sure Tommy Lee Lewis's brother is enrolled there, just waiting to come off the bench and have a couple of kickoff return touchdowns. But that's another story. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> All right, another winner in the college game, LSU. I mean, statement wins, uh, top team in the country, at least in, in my mind, they're still the top best team in the country, hands down. Going into a marquee week against Alabama, game of the season, even though I'm pretty sure both of them are going to be in the playoffs, but no one really thought that LSU would be this good. Like, they were good. They had the expectation to be good. No one really knew about Joe Burrow, you know, transfer out of Ohio State. Okay, is this guy, you know, all that, or is it, you know, being in Ohio State? But, yeah, this this quarterback's good. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the country, but he's doing that LSU defense. is top tier, like we're used to seeing from LSU defenses. So, yeah, this doesn't... The first time in a while that we've said that LSU has a complete football team. And we'll see against Alabama, are they up to the test? Continuing on with winners, Memphis, Memphis football again, kind of that dark horse team. Like, oh, they're actually good. Statement win last week against SMU, another one of my winners who we haven't seen SMU football be relevant since they were having the death penalty given against them in the 80s. There's like two teams in that conference, SMU football, Memphis football. The latter we've seen recently kind of ranked a little bit and make a little bit of noise here or there. But yeah, who would have thought that Memphis and SMU would be considered football schools to a certain degree? Switching mm-hmm. to the professional team, we have the Baltimore Ravens who... Who would have thought going against New England Patriots, Lamar Jackson, going up against the top-tier New England defense, and pretty much it was a statement win live from the front. How much more can you say other than, hey, Bill Polian? Right. David? David? Yep. Yeah, are you there? Hello, David? Yep. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go. go. Alright. Yeah, I was just saying the Baltimore Ravens with the statement win. Top team in the AFC North. Lamar Jackson proving yes again that he's actually a quarterback and can be not just an elusive runner, but an actual pocket passing quarterback. True. And yeah, he way, has proven he has, he has proven a lot of people wrong that he actually can play the position in the NFL and be efficient. And he's doing it actually with his arm more than his legs. He's using his legs as basically uh, an, an option instead of being really using it as the threat. Yeah, and a lot of people, namely Bill Polian, was kind of saying, oh, he's not that typical pocket passer, but as we see, he wants to be in the pocket. He wants to prove people. Like, hey, I'm a pocket passer. I can be the best of the best as a in the pocket, and then if I need to scramble, it can't stop me. But I'm more impressed with Mark Ingram. Seems like he's slimmed down. He was free Alabama weight. If he used to be a bruiser, physical, you know, I'm not saying that crab cake does that. You know, slims down a little bit, but 
him being a solid top tier running back option just adds another dynamic presence in that backfield for Baltimore. And so I don't know if it's more Baltimore being that good or New England's defense having a bad day, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Baltimore and New England again in the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that could be a possibility. You know, another team that I don't think anyone would expect in the title game, the San Francisco 49ers. I kind of want to say their games have a lot more luck than skill. And I say that because Thursday night against Arizona, they should have lost that game if we're just going to be honest. Mm-hmm. It was more of, yes, they, San Francisco was good. We'll give them credit because they actually won. But when your head coach is out here not trusting your defense, shooting your team, the, shooting themselves in the foot in Arizona, it's a lot easier to get a couple wins here or there. But yeah, San Francisco is just doing what they have to do and they have a good test Monday night against Seattle. Right. We'll actually see if, if this team is good. If they're good, we'll see it. We'll know it. Because mm-hmm. if you can beat Seattle, with the way Seattle's playing right now, yeah, it's definitely going to be a good test for the San Francisco team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last one for the winners, the Miami Dolphins. Finally get a win. I don't know if it's a matter of them wanting to actually win the game or them wanting to prove a message to their former head coach, Adam Gase, but I don't think that this team, as currently instructed, is like bad enough to, or was bad enough to go 0-16. Like, they were bad, but we saw glimpses of them being competitive against Pittsburgh Monday night, against Dallas, and now against the Jets, kind of putting it together, and also that the Jets actually, you know, thinking mm-hmm. up the joint. That made things a little easier. But yeah, congratulations to the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Finally, get that first win of the season. Get off the schneid. Wow. Okay. Nice. Give sure. him a, give him a little congratulations there. I like it. Yeah, I got to give Miami credit because I I do think that Miami has gotten a bad rap mm-hmm. the bulk of the season. It's like, oh, they're tanking, oh, they're tanking. No, they're not. They're they're playing hard. Just what happens when you run, you run into a couple of bus off. It happens. Mm-hmm. So now that we push to the winners, let's push over to the losers, mm-hmm. and we'll stick right there with the New York Jets. It's gotten from bad to worse in New York. You hate to see it, but. Maybe it's, maybe this team is not that good. Maybe Adam Gates is not that good of a coach. Maybe Sam Darnold is not that good of a quarterback. And I don't know what I don't know what you really can do if you're a Jets fan, other than like you really can't draft a quarterback, but you can try to at least like hope and pray that he gets a little better. But I don't know where you go to the Jets. You get a quarterback, you go defense, you go running back, you go wide receiver. There's, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked if you're a Jets fan. And I don't know if they can be all answered within the next, what, four or five off seasons, maybe? Because this team needs a full rebuild, to say the least. Right. 
Yeah, no team. We're just going to go back and forth between the pro and the college games. Florida State, they finally pulled the plug on Willie Taggart. <laughs> Your Even, boy. Even though, again, I do think at least when you get to the end of the season, I think if they're that quick, I think that has more to do about the image of, not, I don't want to make it a race thing, but it's been said a couple of times by a couple of prominent commentators. It's like, white coaches stick up the joint Florida State for far longer than other programs for far longer. In the SEC, there are coaches a minute. that well, name, stick up the joint. Wait a minute. Name other white coaches that stuck up the joint at Florida State. I mean, George, Jimbo Fisher won a, 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 a national championship, and then there's Bobby Bowden. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, like, if, like after Jimbo Fisher won that championship for Florida State, like, how many years were they irrelevant? Like, the reason why he left, part of, you know, is a better job. It was Texas that really wasn't that good. And they like, paid him a lot more money. But, David, we talked about this on the show. Willie Taggart was not a good hire. I mean, he was pedestrian in Oregon State. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If you're pedestrian in Oregon State, what are you going to do at Florida State? I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree on you with you on this one with with the race issue. He should never have been hired at Florida State. They should have just saved their trouble, kept him at Oregon State. He could have laid low, probably would still be coaching. But that, with, with a job like that, you, you don't hire Willie Taggarts for that job. I think he was in over his head from the get-go. And he just wasn't a good fit. I mean, heck, they're thinking about bringing in Deion Sanders as, as, a, as, as a coach for the team. So, I mean, I, I really just think that it, it was a disaster hire from the beginning. And I've said that here on this show that I'm like, you know, Willie Taggart just – it's not the guy. And then, then they're even saying maybe possibly they might go after Matt Campbell. I mean, it just, it just did, it didn't work. I, I don't, I'm not going to go with the race card on this one. If, if there was some racial things going on, maybe I will maybe agree with you a little bit that maybe if he was a white coach, maybe he would have, they would have probably fired him at the end of the season. Uh, but other than that, they maybe would have gave him a little bit more wiggle room, but it just, it, for out of nowhere, raised his buyout. Like, that says that like, they were ready to get rid of him. And I think, to your point, a lot of people, a lot of boosters are thinking, hey, this is, quote-unquote, the marquee program still. This is still one of the premier programs to a lot of people in the state of Florida. Are they moving on the football field? No, but... And that also goes to the talent, the recruiting, and also just the prestige of Florida State. Like, no one... Right now in the state of Florida is thinking Florida State as top five in terms of the marquee schools to go to. And that's just being honest. People want to go to Florida. People want to go to Miami because they have that swagger back. And then you're looking at schools like Central Florida who went undefeated a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. That's another team. And then even, hey, we'll throw out there Central Florida because they're, you know, they're ranked. Central Florida and South Florida are like two hot group of five schools that are starting to get some of these quality in the state. So think about it though this too like he could get a Charlie Strong type of situation where Charlie Strong was at Texas. Now that was not a bad hire. Just there was some unfor, you know, foreseen for unforeseen for circumstances for Charlie Strong. But then he gets back on his feet at Southern Florida and that seemed like a more of a fit for him and they're also competitive. I just think Willie Taggart's not really a good coach. <laughs> I, I, I hate to just say that. I think Charlie Strong was a really good coach, and that just was a disaster in Texas. I just think that 
Taggart was just a disastrous coach that was in over his head. And I think really Florida State kind of did him a, a service and kind of said, let's cut the plug on this. Yeah, do I, do I think he should be kind of go back, maybe take a Lovey Smith coach, go defense coordinator, then exactly. bump up, and then start back at a, like a smaller yeah, kind exactly. of firefight school? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he could probably rebound like Charlie Strong and, and go somewhere where, you know, a little bit less pressure, uh, a little bit less prestigiousness. Because you got to also understand, too, Florida State is – a legacy school, so to speak, in football, or if you want to call it, I wouldn't say a blue blood, because they didn't really get good until the late 70s, until Bobby Bonding out there. I mean, Florida State football in the 60s and 70s was just trash. So, But but, but then what he's built is a legacy school, and they're, they're expecting you to, you know, do really well. Think about it. Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is getting 9 to 10 wins a year for Michigan. Before he got there, they were averaging, what, 7 Maybe eight was considered a good year. This guy now is coming in here with 10, 9 to 11 wins a year. But, yeah, it's, it's, not, not, it's not good enough. So the same thing was going to be with Willie Taggart. If he wasn't getting in the, 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 the national playoff contention or at least sniffing the playoff, it was never going to be enough. He could probably get 11 wins, 10 wins, and get to a New Year's Six, and they still wouldn't have been satisfied. So it, it, sometimes these, these firings are for the best. Yeah, and, and I think kind of switching to another school that maybe a firing would be the best is kind of Syracuse. Up here, like getting the break speed off of you multiple times a week is not good. Dino Baber is just taking on by a thread. They fired their defensive coordinator this past week for after giving up another 50 spots to Boston College, primarily through the ground game. Yeah, it's just, I don't want to say Dino Babers is on the hot seat, but yeah, it's not looking pretty. All right, let's wrap, it up. let's wrap it up, David, because we got a I'm on a time crunch here. All right, last, last two Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. I'm just going to laugh in your face and say you brought this on yourself. Maybe <laughs> actually throw Odell Beckham Jr. the ball because he's pretty good. Doesn't have to be single coverage or double coverage. So Baker Mayfield, yeah, this this one's on you. And then the last one. Your Chicago Bears, Derek. Yeah. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. I guess turning off the TV in Hallis Hall, is that going to help? Not really. It's Mr. Trubisky. Just not that good. No. Well, I, yeah, I've been saying that. And the loser I mean, really is the Bears for how much they gave up for him. That, that's the thing. It's not like you can go in this year's draft and get a quarterback. I don't think you have a first-round pick because you traded it away. Yeah, for Lil Mac, which now they're saying try and draft or trade away Lil Mac to get picked. It's like, mm, like that's gonna help. Well, no, and then it makes the Raiders <laughs> look like geniuses, and everyone was hounding on John Gruden. So, yeah, no, it just it was a bad pick, especially since Deshaun Watson, Watson, what he's doing, and he has nothing there, and with the Houston Texans. But yeah, I've said this from the I said it since last season after that game against the Packers where uh, Rodgers came back. He if you want mediocre play, if you want every other year to maybe win a division title, if you want to be in the middle of the pack in the North, then yeah, Trubisky's the guy. But if you're looking at a franchise changing, multiple Super Bowl winning quarterback, it ain't him. 
Yeah, and, and I'd say this may be the, you know, the last final shot for Matt Nagy, too, because this was his guy. He was supposed to be the this great quarterback with nah, no, 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 no. That wasn't his guy. It was actually Pace's guy, the general manager that brought him in. He brought in Nagy to pretty much try to think he could make him look good. I think if Nagy has a comp- comparable quarterback, they can open up the playbook and this team can flourish. But they can't open up the playbook because Trubisky's limited. So it, 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 he's limiting the team. I mean, I really want to see what Nagy can do, but he doesn't have anything. I mean, he he can't do certain things. It, it, that's that's the thing that makes me upset and concerned is that there's so much. Once again, another Chicago Bears team that has so much potential, so much, but yet you can't do it because let's face it, there's it's lackluster at the quarterback position. So we we won't know what Matt Nagy can unleash or unfold as a coach because Trubisky can't do half the stuff he probably wants to do. So maybe, maybe it is time to you know. I don't want to say you know, clear the kind of start from scratch, but look at the quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah, and, and he did a lot with Alex Smith, and we know how conservative you got to be with Alex Smith. So, I mean, you know, if he if he can work with Alex Smith and make him look almost like an MVP, and can't do it with Trubisky, he's just bad. And. Hey, it could be worse. You could have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback. So I would take him. At least he's competitive. I mean, he at least he tries to win. I I really think with Baker Mayfield, it's just them running their mouths magnified a lot of things, and he's he's looking bad right now. Um, but Trubisky is Trubisky's you know not even hitting the receivers when he throws them to him, let alone missing them on routes. I mean, at least Baker Mayfield can make completions. Yeah, that is true. So. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess another another long winner for Bears fans. And yeah, maybe. Yeah. So with with that, that'll be this week's edition of winners and losers. Next week, I'm sure we'll bring him up again, and we'll have the same same conversation about what to do, what the Bears should do. Maybe try to raise the entire team and go after Cam Newton. I don't know, but maybe we'll, we'll, we'll end this here. Make sure you listen to David's winners and losers always on iTunes or actually on your i your iPhone with uh, the the podcast. Also on SoundCloud as well. If you have like a Google or Android devoid, uh, Android device. Ugh. Long, long day. Anyway, you're listening to 88.3 WCS. After further review, down with winners and losers with David. Next, we're talking a little bit about the college football playoff. College football playoffs, and of course, people in Columbus are going to love what I have to say. All right, that and more here on 88.3 WCTs after further review.